0: Hello friends, welcome to this month's episode of Gather Party. I'm your host, Kevin, a husband, dad, and lifelong gamer. And this is a podcast about video games, sometimes a little bit about movies, sometimes a little bit about whatever is going on in my life. Um, And it's a podcast where I just like to have my friends come on, talk about games we're playing, talk about some gaming news and some upcoming releases and just really anything that interests us. And today I am joined by my friend, uh, nobody actually, I'm all by myself right now, Uh, so this is going to be a solo episode, my first ever solo episode, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, My friend that I was going to have on for this episode uh, couldn't be here, so, and I didn't want to have someone come on last minute and try and uh, rush them on here, which, uh, by the way, shout out to my friend Bogie, who was a guest of my last episode. He came on last minute for that episode. I, I was planning on doing that episode solo because the guest fell through. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to call Bogey up, see if I can get him on here. And uh, yeah, he, he hopped on and got on the podcast with me. And we had really no show notes, no outline, uh, You know, just a little bit of notes I'd written down. Um, so we weren't super prepared. And uh you know he still came on and still had not made like a two hour long podcast and if you listen to it you might think like wow these guys are really just rambling about anything right now and that's because we were we were winging a lot of that episode but i appreciate him coming on there and doing that last minute with me and so this time i didn't want to put anyone through that stress and anxiety of uh coming on here uh so i'm just going to try and do this one solo And there's also going to be a new format to the episode, besides me being solo for this one, uh, just in general. I'm going to be changing it up a little bit. I've heard the feedback, I've heard the criticism, and, uh, you know, I'm going to take it all in and try and make some improvements to the episodes. Um, I realize that, you know, the episodes are a little bit long and... uh, you know, if your name doesn't rhyme with Bo Logan, that people don't want to listen to your podcast for three plus hours. So I'm going to trim the fat down a little bit. I'm going to be aiming to make the episodes just a little bit shorter, hoping to get around like the one hour, hour and a half mark, which might be kind of long, but still, you know, I'm going to try my best just to shorten these episode lengths down. i um, still going to do just one episode a month, but just a shorter episode. Uh, um, and hopefully people enjoy that more. I'm hoping that it leads to me being a little more focused in the uh, episode, and especially uh, when I have guests on being able to kind of direct the conversation a little bit more, so we don't get super off topic about things. Um, but I also do like that. That's kind of some of my favorite podcasts to listen to are the ones where it is a little more organic and free flowing and sometimes gets a little bit off topic. I think those are kind of the funnier funnier moments in a podcast when they kind of go on tangents or off-topic or, you know, giving little anecdotes about their life. So, yeah, going to be trying out that this new format and hopefully having the episodes run a little bit shorter. Today's episode, uh, I'm going to be covering a lot of information, so I'm going to be going here and hopefully try to get that information out quickly and not um, make this episode too long, but I got a lot of topics to cover this was a super busy month uh, with all the video game showcases that went on. I'm going to try and give my opinion on you know, a lot of the major showcases. Probably won't touch on all of them. And then also I've been playing uh, Diablo 4 and just finished uh, the campaign recently. So I'm going to give my review of Diablo 4. Uh, first ever review that I've written. So please feel free to you know DM me, message me. After you listen to it, let me know what you thought of my review. I'd love to hear feedback on that as well. Yeah, so we'll see how this episode goes. You must gather your party before venturing forth. So this past month, much-anticipated Diablo 4 was released. And I've been spending most of my time gaming uh, with Diablo Four. I was very excited for it. I've been a huge fan um, since playing Diablo Two. Been a huge fan of just action RPGs in general. I've played you know many different ones from Diablo to the Boulder Gate, uh, Dark Alliance series, and on console and Champions of Norrath. So uh, very fond of action RPG games. Play a little bit of Torchlight too. But, um, Diablo 2 was definitely, um, like many other people, one of my, you know, favorite action RPG games and a lot of nostalgia in it from playing it as a young kid. And so I was very hyped for Diablo 4 and very excited to get my hands on it and play through it. And so I decided to do a review on it. And uh, first ever review I've ever written. I didn't get to play Diablo as much as I would have liked. To do like a real extensive review on it, but you know, with the time that I put into it, I really just wanted to sit down, write a review from beginning to end, get all my thoughts out on paper, and um, just kind of put it out there. So, we're gonna dive into that right now. Um, Before I get into the actual review though, I wanna talk about my uh, rating scale that I came up with. So, um, I wanted to do something a little bit different than the kind of standard metrics a lot of media outlets use. Usually, it's they use either 1 to 10 or 1 to 100. And I was trying to find some kind of balance between those two. 1 through 10, um, it is kind of limited a little bit. You know, there's not a huge difference between like a 9 and a 10 game, uh, but also not a huge difference between like 8 and 9. And, you know, it gets harder to distinguish when you get into like the 7 and up games. And, you know, using 1 to 100, I feel like is too wide, whereas like it's so specific and, you know, it's hard to really when it's hard when you're using that 1 to 100 scale to like really give a concise <laughs> score on a game cuz there's so many details you kind of nitpick and you know some games that are you know subpar might be in the the high 60s or 70s and some games that aren't very good might be in like the low 40s or 50s and and so on so i tried to find something that's kind of in between the two of those so i decided to go with a letter grading system I'm kind of inspired a little bit by like, uh, you know, Devil May Cry and those kind of action games where they give you a rating after you finish a battle encounter where like depending on how high of a combo you got, they usually give you like a letter like A or S is usually like the highest tier, you know, B, C, D, so on. And so I was going to use a letter scale system for my rating. So uh, S would be the highest and then A b, c, and then d will be the lowest on my scale. And I also decided that I'll also uh, use plus and minuses so a game could get like an a minus or a plus and uh, so that way I can kind of be a little bit more distinguishable between games that I think are like perfect 10 out of 10s or s plus and then maybe an s minus where it was like an almost flawless game. And so, if, if you're thinking about it in terms of like a one through 10 scale that most um, reviewers use, probably S would be like between that nine and 10 uh, score. And then uh, A would be between, you know, eight to nine. And then B kind of between that seven to eight range. And then C, you're getting down to like six to seven. And then D, like a five and below, which is usually like. Uh, I haven't seen too many games recently get below a 5. I think Redfall got pretty low, maybe like a 4.5. So that's usually when a game is like completely broken or kind of unplayable. Um, do they score that low? Um, so that's the scale that I'm going to be using. So at the end of the review, I'll give my letter grade for Diablo. But all right, let's hop right into it. Uh, so I clocked in about 27 hours on Diablo 4. I was able to finish the campaign and complete a dozen or so side quests and dungeons. So I'd say, uh, you know, the hours I put in were pretty casual. You know, uh, there's a lot of people who grind it out, got to level 100, a lot of streamers who play the game full time, who've done most of the end game content already. I'm definitely more on the casual side these days. So it's kind of funny. There's right now on like uh, the Diablo 4 subreddit, there's kind of this split in the community of people who uh, don't really like Diablo Four, who complain a lot about it, and it's usually the the streamers or people who have a lot of time to play, who have done a lot of the in game content, because there is some um, kind of issues with the in game content and um, the progression um, in the latter half of the game. And then there's the casual players, kind of like me, who love the game and are really excited about it. And you know, a lot of them are dads, and they post on the forums like, "I'm a dad, and I play. You know, I only get to play you know one hour a week, and I'm loving the game so far." So it's like these group of Diablo dads and these kind of hardcore veteran players like arguing about the game so I guess I definitely would be a Diablo dad uh, fall into that camp but uh, overall the campaign was probably the best in the series and I played through Diablo's 1, 2, and 3 and Blizzard really changed up their storytelling formula in previous games the story was told through kind of a wall of text you kind of get to an NPC You'd listen to this long monologue by the NPC giving you some background and explanation about what's going on in the world. And then uh, you go out into the world, find dungeons, complete quests, kill a boss, and then return to town, and listen to another wall of text by an NPC. And then sprinkled along the way, they'd have some really cool cutscenes and cinematics that you know they're always known for. But they really uh, changed that storytelling. It's much more immersive in Diablo 4. Uh, The game had really well-directed in-game cutscenes featuring your character that looked really good. So, um, typically in any Diablo or any RPG, ARPG that I play, I usually care very little about the story and and just want to get straight into the killing and looting as quickly as possible. But Diablo 4 had such a strong first act that I was really invested in the story early on and the characters. Uh, The voice acting was really well done and really well written. I don't really well written... I don't think there was ever a voice line that I was heard and I was like, oh, that sounds a little cringier for us. So it was all very well done. And uh, I was able to complete some of the side quests. The side quests didn't add much to the world building in my opinion. You definitely had, you know, your typical kind of RPG side quests in there. You know, fetch quests, go here, collect this kill this thing, and then run back, get your XP. So they definitely had that in there, which is okay. I mean, for an action RPG game about grinding and leveling up, you kind of need those side quests in there. Uh, But they did have some side quests that were a little bit more um, expansive and kind of had multiple steps or quest lines in them. Um, And those were pretty cool. Um, You know, for example, I had, uh, this is a minor spoiler here, by the way, but nothing significant to the game story. Um, but you can meet a lady in a town um, and help her perform this exorcism on a young boy. Um, and then after you complete that quest with her, you can meet her again to help with another exorcism. Um, and then you can encounter her again in a side quest where she's been possessed by a powerful demon and you have to go collect, you know, certain items and then perform the exorcism on her and help her and defeat this demon. And so it was kind of neat. It added, you know, you know, a kind of a whole side subplot to the story. And, um, you know, it was a, Kind of an interesting uh, quest line to follow, kept me engaged the whole time. So some of the side quests do offer a little bit more than just your run-of-the-mill uh, fetch quests. So there is some content, too, in the side quests um, that make them worth playing, not just for the XP or the rewards or loot or anything like that. The one critique that I did have with the campaign was a little bit of the pacing of it. You know, the game for the first time in Diablo series was kind of in this large open world, and it did start to become a little bit of a slog running the long distances between quests, um, especially during like the middle acts of the game. Um, I was at times, uh, you know, just getting a little bit bored with some of the quests. Um, just kind of felt like I was starting to rush through them a little bit, uh, but it did pick up, um, you know, after kind of that middle act of the game. So that was my only complaint. Other than that, um, the campaign was awesome. Really enjoyed the playthrough. Um, like I said, the first act really hooks you in and gets you invested in the world, and your character, and the, the characters around them. And then uh, I really enjoyed the ending, and um, obviously the cinematics uh, that Blizzard uses were, were really cool too. Visually, this Diablo has a much darker tone, similar to Diablo II's art style which I think is a really cool tone for the game. I wasn't a big fan of Diablo 3, and one of the reasons was kind of the brighter, vibrant color scheme the graphics had. I really liked the dark, gothic look of Diablo 4, and everything looked really crisp and well done. From the characters, the enemies, environments, it all looked really pleasing to the eye. The different areas you move through all looked really distinct and had a lot of details going on in the background. So overall, just, yeah, really gorgeous, really pretty, beautiful designed game by Blizzard, which, you know, is no surprise there, Blizzard's become this powerhouse of game developer, and that's kind of what we come to expect from their games. Um, but I really just like the the kind of tone and color scheme and just that overall feel that Diablo 4 has. It's more similar to Diablo 2's feel um, that it had. And uh, like I said, of course, in classic Blizzard fashion, the game featured incredible CGI cinematics that had some characters that looked almost like life in some of the scenes, as if I was watching a movie. Um, so it might be obvious uh, to point this out, um, since it's the first next-gen Diablo installment, but it is the best looking in the series so far. It, not just an improvement over Diablo 3's graphics, but you know, a complete overhaul. And I mentioned earlier too about the voice acting and the writing. It was all really well done. Most sounds in the game were great and added to the darker theme of the game. Enemies had really distinguished noises and after a while I could tell what enemy I was about to encounter before it came into my field of view based on the sounds that I heard. And one that really stood out to me was um, the demon shamans that can resurrect demons and they are very annoying. And you kind of have to focus on them uh, first when you're fighting like a horde of the, of the fallen enemies, and they make this really distinctive like rattling noise. Whenever I hear that rattling noise, I know I'm gonna have to like charge in and find this shaman first. So, and a lot of the enemies have these really distinct noises, and when you play with your surround sound headset on, you know those noises, those noises sound really crisp and they sound really clear and and uh, just really good. The music is classic Diablo. Um, Not too much to say about it other than it was really good. A lot of guitar instrumentals uh, that were featured in previous Diablo titles, if you're familiar with the music in previous Diablo games. Um, Very good uh, soundtrack. The game featured for the first time a customizable character. It was a little limited in the customization features, but you could make your character look pretty cool and you really get to see them closely in certain cutscenes of the game. There are five different classes to choose from. They all felt really unique. I played through the game as a necromancer, so most of the gameplay that I experience will be through the lens of that character, but I did a portion of the game as the barbarian in the beta test and played a small amount of rogue too, so I did get to try a few different classes. The skill trees are another improvement in my opinion um, overall over Diablo 3. Each skill tree is made up of five or so sections, each with various branches that split into other skills. You know, for example, in the Necromancer skill tree, I had about three different arch types to choose from. Each skill fell into either a blood, bone, or minion abilities to focus on. I like that they there was more variety in the builds than in Diablo 3. The skill tree isn't super complex. Um, you know, they're still going to have probably pretty similar builds. Um, but at least there is some variation to them and and you can build a character a little bit more uniquely or a little bit different if you wanted to try and branch out and kind of mix these different skills together I still felt like you didn't want to mix and match too many different skill types it still felt like I should optimize into one so I kind of focused on the blood skills for Necromancer and it seemed like it it worked pretty well through most of the campaign I didn't really have to change up too much of what I was doing Combat feels really good. My abilities had really cool animations and visuals that felt really satisfying to use. The game has two different difficulties to start with. In the game, they're called world tiers and it determines the strength of enemies and the loop drop rates as well as XP and gold. And so I played through on world tier two, which would be like a medium to hard difficulty. And I didn't die often. And when I did, it was usually just from, you know, not paying attention to my health most fights I was able to do without using all of my potions, so the difficulty didn't seem to be too great or or too hardcore for me. Uh, Level scaling is a bit different in Diablo 4 compared to other games, where typically in like an action RPG game and Diablo games, you know, you can do side quests and you could do optional dungeons and kind of level up your character and become kind of overpowered and just be able to steamroll enemies. Uh, but the world and the enemies level with you in Diablo 4, so you're never over or under leveled for most instances. Which this kept combat feeling challenging throughout the entire campaign, uh, but I did miss the feeling of being overpowered and just decimating, you know, elite enemies and bosses. It kind of de me wanting to go outside of uh, the main quest lines and do side quests and optional dungeons, because I knew the world was going to level up with me, so... Other than wanting to get uh, loot or some other um, kind of items, wasn't really much incentive for me to kind of go out and try and level up my character in between story missions. The gameplay loop of Diablo has always been kill enemies, clear dungeons, loot, and then run back to town. You know, sell your stuff or upgrade it, repair it. Diablo 4 really leaned into that and it's just as addicting as ever. It's still a really fun gameplay loop. has kind of a new aspect Uh, to it being an open shared world that has these optional dungeons to explore random events on the map and world bosses and um, you know all these other players that you can encounter out uh, when you're exploring but overall the gameplay it's fun um, if not more than it's ever been in the series i will add a caveat to this review that i only finished the campaign and got to about level 47 at the time of Uh, recording this review right now so i haven't got into the end game content and can't speak too much on it how the end game content works is when you reach level 50 you uh, stop adding points to your skill tree that you've been leveling up and you unlock what's called a paragon skills which are just various passive abilities to choose from to increase your damage and defenses for your playstyle, so that you can survive on higher world tiers and get more rare item drops so I haven't been able to check out those Paragon skills yet and play through that in-game content. I know that um, you know it is a, it is a hot discussion right now, the in-game content in Diablo 4. A lot of the kind of hardcore players that have been grinding out since the launch of the game and a lot of the streamers who have been playing you know almost every day and have cleared through most of the in-game content felt that it was a little bit underwhelming and not very satisfying. Um, but I'm sure there's going to be changes to that. I mean... Um, you know Diablo 3 kind of had the same issue and they really revamped the series and you know through patches and updates and I'm sure this game is going to be the same where they're going to keep adding those updates we already know there's going to be seasonal content for Diablo 4 so I'm sure that end game content is going to change over time Um, but I am excited to get into that content next. The multiplayer in Diablo is probably one of the weakest parts of the game which is surprising since it's almost like an MMO game they tried to make, how it has this open and shared shared world between players, but playing and communicating with other players was a little bit lacking. There's not uh, like a world or public chat or any kind of group finding mechanic built into the game. So if you wanted to find a group uh, and you're not playing with your friends, you'd have to use something outside of the game like you know a discord channel or um, like an Xbox LFG post or something like that. Uh, So that was a little bit disappointing. Hopefully they add some features to the game where you can kind of communicate more with other players. I did play through a portion of the campaign with a friend. Uh, Shout out, Kyle. Uh, The loot tables are individual, so uh, we each got our own loot uh, that appeared on screen, which I think is always a great feature in RPG games uh, that are co-op. Maybe if you were like a hardcore like World of Warcraft player and liked rolling dice for your loot, uh, you might not like it. but I definitely like this system better, where people have their own separate uh, loot drops and things like that uh, Enemies are stronger uh, when you are playing with other uh, friends uh, but the world still uh, scales with you and your, uh, your party members separately so if uh, you're playing with a friend who's a much higher level those enemies are scaling individually for each of you so it's not like your high level friend can come into your game and just steamroll everything they're gonna be facing enemies they're still a challenge for them and, and vice versa so uh, combat can still be challenging for both players even if they're not at the same level uh, PvP was another area of the game that I did not touch um, and is a little bit a part of like the in game content of Diablo if you're into that and to be completely honest, I've never really been into PvP and Diablo games or any action RPG that I've played, like Path of Exile. I didn't really touch the PvP in there either. And um, I don't know, it's just never been much of an interest for me. I do like PvP styled games, and um, just for whatever reason, in action RPGs, I just much prefer just the you know co-op, looting, killing bosses. Uh, it's kind of more fun for me in those games. I do plan on doing some PvP, at least testing it out, and seeing how my uh, my build does in PvP. Um, but right now I don't have any experience with it, so I can't talk too much on the PvP side of Diablo 4. So overall, what would I give Diablo 4? On my scale that I created, I would say Diablo 4 uh, would get an S-. minus. So pretty high. I mean, it's a near-perfect action RPG game. You know, what Blizzard set out to create with Diablo 4, I feel like they nailed it. Uh, almost to a T. Incredibly well crafted campaign. And I think that the Diablo 4's campaign alone makes the game worth the price tag um, of it. You know, you can easily get in 30 to 40 hours just playing through the campaign and side quests. And that's not even counting, you know, playing through it again as a different character and trying out other characters or different builds. So there's definitely a lot of content in that. And just that base game before you get to the end game content, and um, I think it took a lot of things that I enjoyed about Diablo 2, and feels more like a sequel to it more so than Diablo 3. But the game isn't Diablo 2 by any means, and it but it isn't really Diablo 3 either. So it's kind of like this weird in between of both of those games Um, but i think they took really good things from both diablo 2 and diablo 3 and kind of combined them into this game so if you were like me and you didn't really enjoy diablo 3 you might want to give diablo 4 a try i think you might enjoy it Uh, it's definitely a must play for anyone who's a fan of just rpgs in general or if you're a fan of action rpgs i mean the amount of content packed into this game and there's going to be seasonal updates um, so you'll definitely get your money's worth from diablo 4. So that is my review of Diablo 4. Feel free to DM me, message me, let me know what you think of my first review and I look forward to hearing your guys' feedback and let me know if you've been playing Diablo 4 and if you enjoy it, if there's any parts of my review you disagree with um, or if you want to link up and play, I'm down for that too. Stay a while and listen. Let's get into the real meat and potatoes of this month, which was the summer game. All the showcases that went on this month of June. And there's a lot to go over, a lot of showcases. I'm not going to be covering all of them, just kind of some of the major kind of big ones. And I'm just going to be going over some of the highlights uh, kind of from each one. Uh, I decided how I'm going to break these down is I'm going to talk about some things that surprised me in each showcase that I wasn't expecting. Uh, some things that disappointed me and some things that excited me. So, kind of each showcase, I'm just going to give you know kind of a some short thoughts on what I thought about it, and then kind of go through those three areas. And what surprised me, you know, that could be a good or a bad surprise. So, some of those things, you know, are kind of a toss up in the middle of like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? I really don't know because it's usually something that kind of caught me off guard or that I wasn't expecting or you know that wasn't in my prediction or any leaks for this showcase. So, all right, let's get right into it. I'm going to start um, kind of with what I thought was the weaker showcases and then build up to the ones that I thought were best. So, we're going to start off with what I think was the weakest showcase out of the major ones, which was the Capcom showcase. And, uh, you know, I watched a little bit of IGN's coverage of this showcase, and um, the host on there, I believe it was Damon Hatfield. You know, he summed up the showcase as this could have been an email, and you know, I think that was a pretty accurate description of the showcase. There wasn't a whole lot um, that we didn't already know that Capcom was working on. Not really a whole lot of new things introduced to us. They're kind of big game that we you know didn't really know much about. Um, they just kind of announced that it was delayed. Um, So, we don't really, you know, we didn't really, we got like a cool cinematic cutscene for it and don't really know much about it other than it's getting delayed. Um, So, I mean, which is uh, nice that they let people know it's getting delayed rather than just radio silence on it and not knowing what's going on with its development. But what surprised me about it, what really uh, caught me off guard was. in honor of their 40th year uh, anniversary, they created uh, a virtual theme park that you can go to right now on your web browser called Cap Town, and it's kind of just like a virtual museum where you can go through and you see you know, all their classic games and you know just behind the scenes look at those games and all the different kinds of art and collectibles for it, and I'm kind of into that kind of nerdy video game history stuff. I like reading about that, so it, it, it was a good surprise. I did go check out Cap Town and explored it for a little bit, and you know I went through the museum and looked through a lot of like classic Resident Evil um, kind of artwork and things like that. And then they also had some uh, emulators on there um, where you could play some of their classic uh, Capcom games. Uh, like Street Fighter 2 was on there. Um, a lot of Mega Man classic games were on there and they also had the Japanese and the English version. So that was cool. I played a little bit of the Japanese version of Street Fighter 2. Uh, got wrecked. but uh, you know if you definitely are going to try it out, I suggest maybe connecting uh, your gamepad or controller so you're not having to use uh, the keyboards because it wasn't a very uh, very good uh, controller scheme for the emulator. But uh, yeah, that really surprised me. And, you know, it was kind of the highlight, too, for the showcase. So that should tell you something. If, you know, the showcase highlight for me was a virtual museum with some emulators in it, uh, probably wasn't a very impressive showcase. Something that disappointed me in the showcase uh, was no new Resident Evil remakes. I feel like Capcom's been killing it lately with just the remakes of uh, classic Resident Evil games. You know, most recently Resident Evil 4 came out. And it's on my game log, um, but I did love the original Resident Evil 4 a lot. Um, and it's got very high scores. It was one of my predictions as a Game of the Year nomination, and I still think it's uh, on track for that. It got a, a lot of 10s and a lot of really high scores from a lot of gaming critics and media outlets. Um, so I was hoping we'd get like another uh, announcement of what Resident Evil game is getting that next treatment. I, you know, There's a few others that I think would really benefit from it. Um, like Resident Evil Code Veronica or maybe Resident Evil Zero are the two that come to mind that were kind of uh, classic games that have been uh, remade once already. Um, But I think getting that remake treatment uh, like they did with Resident Evil 2 and 4 could really change and improve those games. I don't think they're going to remake Resident Evil 5. That would be interesting uh, if they try and do. I think Resident Evil 5 could also really benefit from a remake. I think there's some major changes they could make to that game. They really leaned into um, the action side of it. And there's just some things about the story and progression that were a little bit funky in in Resident Evil 5. So I definitely think a remake of Resident Evil 5 could be good, especially since it has that co-op feature. I think it could be a lot of fun with some changes to the gameplay and story. Uh, what excited me about the Capcom showcase was definitely Dragon's Dogma 2, which I did, uh, which was revealed in, I believe, the summer game show before uh, the Capcom showcase. Um, so it didn't surprise me necessarily, but I got a more in depth look into the gameplay and it looks awesome. Dragon's Dogma was a really fun RPG game. I love the first one a lot. Had a really unique companion system where there wasn't an actual multiplayer co op system, but you can kind of Uh, recruit other players companions like uh, they had I believe it was like a tavern that you went into in the first one and you can kind of see other players companions and you can you know recruit them to join you on your journey so it was really cool if you like created these cool companions and leveled them up and then they could go out and earn xp with other players and I thought it was just a really interesting cool system but yeah dragon's dogma is kind of like this combination of uh um like monster hunter um Dragon Age. It was was a really cool game. So I'm really excited for Dragon's Dogma too. So the next showcase that I think was uh, one of the weaker ones would be the PlayStation showcase. I think it was weaker just in one the pacing was a little bit weird. They had some weird announcements in there about like you know their new headphones and uh, also this weird kind of handheld PS5 that they're working on which kind of just looks like a large tablet with half a ps5 controller on each end i don't know maybe it'll be cool we'll see um but yeah it was uh one of the things that surprised me which uh it's kind of a negative surprise was just the lack of exclusives in the playstation showcase usually playstation is just you know they're heavy hitters are all uh playstation exclusive but the the showcase didn't have a ton and most of the games that were mentioned aren't going to be um you know exclusively on the playstation aren't <laughs> I remember after watching the PlayStation Showcase, there was a tweet made by um, Xbox uh, with the list of all the games from the PlayStation Showcase that are also coming to Xbox. and um, I just thought that was funny. They just had someone on standby just to make this tweet right after the showcase of all the games mentioned in the PlayStation Showcase that are going to be on Xbox. So that was, that was funny. So I was really surprised by just the lack of exclusives PlayStation had. What disappointed me was no mention of Spider-Man release date. Uh, or last of us factions i feel like there's been a lot of radio silence on the last of us factions you know the standalone multi multiplayer game um, set in the last of us universe and you know with the popularity of the hbo show it seemed like this would have been just a great opportunity to at least get an update out there you know show a little bit of gameplay show a little trailer really anything it could have been even not even a gameplay trailer just a cinematic trailer with You know the title last of us factions give give us something uh so that was pretty disappointing to hear because it's been like gosh what three or four years since that was announced and it's been like pretty quiet on what's going on with that so um i really thought we were going to get some kind of update or some kind of reveal of of last of us factions what excited me from the playstation showcase was definitely phantom blade zero Uh, which is a PlayStation exclusive, Um, kind of like this third-person action-adventure, kind of a little bit of a, seemed like a Souls-like game maybe with some kind of difficult bosses, but uh, pretty much you play uh, the samurai and it's kind of set and it looks like a kind of really dark, grim-dark, feudal Japan setting, Um, you know, uh, the combat looked really cool, It's, it's kind of hard to tell if it was like gameplay footage or cinematic footage because some of the moves that the character was doing were like really stylized, really cool looking, uh, I wasn't sure if like is this something I'm going to be able to do in game, but it looked really awesome. Uh, really cool combat, really cool just aesthetic to the game, it's definitely, uh, you know, if I ever got a PS5 it would be well, one of those games I'd want to try out and play. Very cool game. I suggest you look up, watch that reveal trailer of the game. All right, moving on to the next showcase. We had Ubisoft Forward, and this showcase was pretty good. Um, it was a solid showcase. It had a lot of cool um, new IPs that they're working on. A lot of gameplay footage. A lot of kind of developer dives into you know the creating of these games and. Um, it all looked, it all looked pr- pretty cool. I mean, I got excited for what Ubisoft is working on, which, you know, I haven't said that in a long time, because it's been kind of these annual Assassin's Creed games They've just been kind of milling out, and then maybe a little bit of live service games with, like, The Division and Rainbow Six Siege. They haven't been doing too much. So it's cool that they're kind of getting these new IPs out there, these, you know, original ideas and kind of some new games to try, because Ubisoft was, like, a powerhouse of a game designer, and Um, Made like some of my favorite games growing up Um, So it's excited to see them trying uh, to get out there and make some new things One thing that surprised me uh, about this showcase was the Skull & Bones open beta Skull & Bones uh, is uh, a pirate sim game uh, that Ubisoft is working on And kind of looks like a a spiritual successor to Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag Which was in a way kind of like a pirate sim game Probably my favorite Assassin's Creed game. Uh, but this game has been through just a development nightmare. It's been years of development and delays. And we haven't gotten much uh, you know, updates on it other than they're working on it. And it's being delayed. But now they have an open beta coming. Uh, which means they have the game, I mean, mostly... Uh done. I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of things they need to fix from the open beta, but at least there's an actual game that we can try and play now, so that's skull and bone. So I was I was surprised that we got an update on that. I I thought they would have just kept it under the rug like they have been for so many years. Something that disappointed me in the Ubisoft Forward was the announcement of the Captain Laserhawk Blood Dragon Anime. And the anime itself didn't super disappoint me. The trailer looked, you know, looked like an anime, looked entertaining. I'm not super into anime anymore, so I don't watch a ton of it. Um, but what was weird was just the the guy who came out to announce it and talk about it just didn't seem like he was into it at all. He came out in this full blood dragon kind of cosplay, but just looked super annoyed. Like he came out there, just stood there in his cosplay, stared at the crowd, took like a big deep sigh took his cool little sunglasses off and just like stared at them and like said, he pretty much said like he didn't want to be in this costume and then just kind of went on about how this anime was being worked on and got delayed and kind of talked about all the kind of troubles they went through, but they're really excited for it now. And it was just a really awkward and odd presentation. And it it really killed kind of the momentum in the showcase. One thing I was excited for uh, one of their original games that they're working on, Star Wars Outlaws, and this one was also announced at, at Summer Game Fest. Or no, it was announced at the Xbox Showcase, I believe. Um, so I did already know about this one, and they had said that there was going to be an extended look into it. So I was really excited to see more of it. Um, it's a you know action adventure game set in the Star Wars universe, where you play as a kind of this outlaw um, smuggler character, um, and it looks really cool. I like. I like when Star Wars games go off the beaten path um, of like the Jedi stories. And there's a lot of really cool world and story in like the underground criminal world of Star Wars. So I'm excited they're going to have a game kind of in that setting. Uh, The protagonist looks really cool. She kind of has that kind of vintage Star Wars look with like her hairstyle kind of looks like something from like the 70s. So I, I like that vibe too that it's kind of going to kind of that classic Star Wars look. And looks really cool, and, and I'm really excited for it. Um, I, I didn't get into Star Wars Fallen Order or Jedi Survivor, um, and it just feels like too late at this point because I don't have the time to play through both of those games. And those are games that I hear about all the time that are really good. So I don't want to miss out on the hype this time, so I'm, I'm definitely going to give Star Wars Outlaws a try when it releases. All right. Now let's go into Summer Game Fest, the big... Summer Game Fest, Jeff Keeley, host and master of the the video game awards. Now, his showcase that he put on, and uh, yeah, he put on a showcase. That's for sure. A lot of good, uh, some bad in there, but overall, it was uh, it was a super it was a super fun showcase. I and mean, there's a lot of weird and random things in it, but uh, overall, I mean, it, it built up a lot of hype, showed a lot of cool things, um, had a lot of cool. Um, Guest uh, you know star appearances and things like that and um, Jeff Keighley did it even a couple little interviews with some game developers right there on stage and you got a really uh, you got a lot of cool looks into the development of these games and overall it's just yeah it was really fun really fun showcase. You did really well with it. Uh, things that surprised me I had quite a few things that surprised me from this game fest because yeah there was just a lot of weird things that got announced a lot of off the wall things. Um, first thing that surprised me was the new 2d sonic game Uh, and that just surprised me just because i was not expecting a 2d sonic game Um, they just had sonic um, i'm blanking on the name right now they just had a big kind of open world sonic game that just came out so i would expect a sequel to that game um, but they're going back to like that classic sonic game but with kind of new revamped graphics and it's kind of interesting that they, when they announced it, they showed kind of the old pixel graphics of Sonic, and then had Sonic running through those graphics, and then into like the new graphic look. And I don't know. I was kind of thinking like I kind of liked the pixel look of Sonic a little bit better um, than the the kind of new and improved graphics, but um, still looked really cool. And it was co op too, which was also awesome. I don't. Th- I've never played a co op Sonic game. There never has been a co op Sonic game. And you know, I loved Sonic as a little kid. Loved. Um, As much as I love the the Pixel 2D Sonic, I also really loved um, Sonic Adventures 1 and 2. Um, Those were a lot of fun. So it's cool that Sonic's getting a new game and it's co-op. Definitely hope that I get to try it out. Another surprise for me was the uh, Path of Exiles 2 announcement. Interesting timing um, with it being announced so close to the release of Diablo 4. I mean, I think it was like the summer game fest was like a week after uh, the release of Diablo four and Jeff Keighley, Jeff Keighley even, you know, talked about like, Hey, I know you guys are probably all playing Diablo four right now, but um, there's also this really cool other action RPG game that's having a sequel. And I thought that was really cool of him to just acknowledge like Diablo four is out. Everyone's loving it. If you love it, you'll also probably love path of exile. And I was a big fan of Path of Exile, I liked it a lot, I did a couple playthroughs, played through uh, a few of the seasons, or they call them leagues in that game. And it is a really cool action RPG, it was really a love letter to Diablo 2, and they took a lot of the systems in Diablo 2 and, you know, pumped them on steroids. It was kind of a complex uh, game, a really complex skill tree and how you built your character, um, but the combat was really fun, really similar to Diablo 2. Um, really hectic and kind of chaotic because there's just so many mobs and large enemies on screen so when you got into those high levels and you really got your build optimized it was really satisfying just clearing out these waves of enemies and just a ton of content in those games too in Path of Exile and with how much diversity and and variety there were in the skill tree although it was a little complex it left uh, each season each new uh, season update when you had to create a new character you could really try and play a whole different playstyle even if you're using the same character. So I really enjoyed Path of Exile. I'm really excited for Path of Exile too and and I was surprised to to see some gameplay of it at the showcase. All right, got a few more surprises here. Uh, The next one was Sandland, uh, which is a new game on the new Unreal Engine 5 from the creators of Dragon Ball Z. So it has that similar kind of anime art style of Dragon Ball Z. Um, I'm not too sure what the game exactly is going to be about, uh, but it looked really cool. Kind of looked like an open world kind of JRPG style game, um, kind of almost looked like, uh, had like some Dragon Ball Z style combat and characters in it. So it looked really cool. And I I was a big fan of Dragon Ball Z as a little kid. So, uh, it was cool seeing that kind of art style in that game and got me kind of intrigued by it. Next surprise was Palworld, P-A-L-W-O-R-L-D, and this game caught me by surprise, because one, I had never heard of it before, and in the gameplay footage, it was essentially Pokemon, you know, you catch these creatures that look very similar to Pokemon, but uh, instead of using, like, you know... Pokemon like abilities when they fight each other you equip them with guns so like you're catching these creatures and equipping them with guns and then they fight each other they shoot each other so it looked super uh, super funny super kind of crazy over the top and I remember there's there was one uh creature that looked just like Pikachu it was like a big yellow rat that it had like a mini gun that it was using to attack uh, so kind of a cool concept kind of wacky and crazy but uh really excited uh to see more of that one and then, last surprise was the big reveal at the end. Um, kind of Jeff Keeley kind of built it up a little too much, I think, because I don't think the hype quite met the re- the reveal. But it was uh, the reveal of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, kind of this uh, sequel to Final Fantasy VII. And from what it looked like, it was kind of like a almost like a restarting of the storyline, and kind of like it says Rebirth. So I don't know if I can call it a direct sequel. Um, but it looked really cool. I mean, the graphics looked really good. It looked like it was kind of from the gameplay we saw a little bit of maybe like an open world. Um, so not just like an overworld, like classic final fantasy seven was, but kind of like this big open world now for you to explore. And that was cool. And then what, what surprised me at the end was they announced that it was on two disc and they seemed like really excited about it being on two disc. And I just thought that was funny because, you know, classic Final Fantasy games on, like, the PlayStation, you know, the first, when I first played Final Fantasy VII, I think it had, like, three discs, and I think Final Fantasy VIII had maybe four discs, so that was kind of like a, they were, back then it was, like, such a, such a big deal to have, like, that many discs, like, this game is so massive, it has three or four discs, and and then it kind of became a negative thing, Where like, if you couldn't fit your game all on one disc, it was, like, Um, kind of a bad thing because one that's a lot of production costs like to make multiple discs for a game that kind of really adds to the cost of making the game you know more recently there's been some games that have been on multiple discs the one i think is most recent that i can think of would be red dead redemption 2 if you bought the physical game i believe it was on two discs and that was like this well now it's one generation behind but pretty close to this generation of consoles that we're on but i just thought it was funny that like they were so excited that it's on two discs because now that's like a nostalgic thing to have multiple discs for a game because you don't see that anymore, especially with digital downloads. Um, you know, if you buy play games digitally, like I did with Red Dead Redemption Two, they're you know no discs, so um, that was just funny to me. Um, but yeah, Final Fantasy Seven Rebirth looks really cool. I haven't played Final Fantasy in a long time. I think thirteen was the last one that I played. I know sixteen just came out now, and and it was really good. So. Might be a time to jump back into uh, Final Fantasy. Maybe I'll give Rebirth a try. All right. So those were all the things that it surprised me about the ga- summer game fest. What disappointed me was just uh, the kind of fluff they added in. Was, there's was a lot of weird pacing things in the showcase. Um, they showed quite a few like just season updates for games to live service games like Call of Duty and Fortnite. And it's like, yeah, you know, I don't really care about that stuff. And I know there's an audience for that stuff. I just feel like it's not. Like, that's not what a a showcase should be. Like, seasonal updates for games. No one wants to see that. It's just like, you know, a little bit more content added to their live service game with like a fancy cutscene. And I don't know, but I get it. I'm sure like Jeff Keighley's also trying to make like profit off this and, you know, being able to pay all the people that work for him. So he's got to add these kind of fluff pieces in there. Um, But it just really affected the pacing of it. What excited me about uh, some of the announcements uh some of the games that i'm looking really looking forward to playing that i saw from summer game fest was one was toxic commando had a really cool cutscene. um it's like a first person shooter kind of almost it reminded me a little bit of left for dead and what i saw was just massive hordes of zombies chasing after you you're trying to mow them down but also kind of looked like it was in like this open world setting because then it showed them um all in a vehicle like big armored truck driving through all these zombies um looked really cool um you know the cinematic cutscene with all the the characters in the game talking they were all like kind of like inspired by like 80s and 90s action movie stars and you know their dialogue was kind of cheesy and goofy and it just looked really cool and like a really cool concept and um, you know, with Back for Blood being kind of the disappointing sequel to Left for Dead 2, this looks like it kind of has those elements of Left for Dead in it, but kind of with a new twist to it, with being like an open world and, uh, you know, kind of this, uh, vehicle you can move around in and play with other players so i'm hoping it's not like a live service game of you know doing the same thing over and over again and grinding out a battle pass i'm really hoping that it's like a story driven game where you can kind of hop in with your friends and play through like a really awesome campaign and really awesome adventure together also it was uh it was uh written and directed by john carpenter who's like a famous horror movie director so really cool um that he's on it too because he obviously has a lot of storytelling experience so that gives me hope that it's going to be kind of this more story driven game and uh i just love the kind of 80s 90s action movie kind of theme it has going on um you know grew up watching movies like that as a kid so um it definitely has me excited also excited for alan wake 2 we got some gameplay reveal for the survival horror game um and it looked really cool. Um, not only just visually it looked really cool, but the whole aesthetic of the game, and um, it's kind of, a you know, from, the, Jeff Keighley had the developer come on and share a little bit about the game, and explain the story a little bit, and, you know, they wanted people to have, if they didn't play the first Alan Wake, to be able to jump in to this game without knowing it. So it is a sequel to Alan Wake, but almost its own separate story, where, You don't need to have played the first one because I never finished the first one. Um, So that got me excited that I can kind of jump into this one that looks really awesome um, and play through it. And then last thing that excited me from the Summer Game Fest showcase was the Twisted Metal show. Uh, Twisted Metal was a, a you know beloved game of my childhood on the PlayStation, playing Twisted Metal 1 and 2. Had a lot of fun with it. Um, I really wish they would bring back those style of games. The um, I don't even know what the name of the genre would be. The, the battle car you know, destruction games um, like Vigilante 8 and Twisted Metal. Uh, but yeah, the show, it, it looked ridiculous, I'll be honest. I don't know if it's going to be good, but I'm excited to see it. Um, I, I'm, I'm loving the, the popularity of all these video game shows and movies that are, are coming out and being worked on. And some of them are really good, like if they get really good um, directors and producers on them, like Last of Us did, like they can make really high quality shows. Sadly, I, you know, like I said, I don't think Twisted Metal is going to be that. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm super excited for it. Let's get into the next showcase here. And this was the strongest showcase, I think, in, um, in the Summer Game Fest lineup, which was the Xbox Showcase. I mean, this was this was a perfect showcase in my opinion it did everything right um with maybe one or two little flaws but otherwise like it created tons of hype showed us tons of new games a um, lot of things to be excited about and that's exactly what we're looking for in a showcase like we want hype when we see a showcase and i feel like that's what we got out of the xbox showcase tons of hype not even counting the the Starfield extended look that we got after the showcase I'm just talking about just the games revealed in that showcase We're really good really cool looking and um, got me really hyped for what's coming to Xbox and I've said it before I'm a little bit of a Microsoft fanboy. I play primarily on Xbox so I do lean a little bit biased towards it but I still think bias aside was hands down the best showcase and from what I've seen and read about of other people's opinions it seems like that's pretty on par. Uh, I think most people thought Xbox had a really strong showing for their, uh, for their Xbox showcase. So let's get into what surprised me. Payday 3 really caught me off guard. I definitely didn't have that in predictions, didn't even have that as a thought. Uh, I played Payday 2 and enjoyed it pretty thoroughly, but I didn't think it was really that popular that it would ever get a, a third one. I know it had a pretty good following on PC it didn't really do too well on consoles, which I played it on. But I still had a lot of fun, you know, uh, public queuing and, and playing with random people. And it was a lot of fun. So I was surprised to see a third one. And I'm excited that it's coming. The Payday 3 is going to be coming to Game Pass. So I think it'd be a game my friends would really enjoy. And now that it's on Game Pass, you know, we don't have to pay full price for it. So I think it'll be one that we jump into and give a try. So, yeah, really excited about Payday 3. Uh, What also surprised me was no Halo or Gears of War at the showcase. I mean, that's got to be a first in, um, like, Xbox history to have a a major showcase and not announce either one of those um, two IPs. And, you know, Halo's been in a really weird place the last few years. It really seems like Halo Infinite is uh, really changing Um, you know Master Chief's role in Xbox marketing it almost feels like Xbox wants to move away from Halo and Master Chief being like the face of Xbox and they're kind of looking for a new um, kind of mascot and so yeah it was very strange not to get anything Halo I mean they could have at very least done just like a cinematic for the next season of of Halo Infinite, which, you know, I had just said earlier that, you know, I don't think that belongs in a showcase, but if they had nothing to show of a new Halo game or a new Gears game, at the very least, show that. Um, So very strange not to have those two major iconic IPs of Xbox not in the showcase at all. What disappointed me uh, was just the lack of release dates on most major reveals, you know, had either no or just a vague release date, like just a year. And usually those change. So that was the disappointing part. It was just a lot of cool games they showed us, but no release dates, which is kind of classic of Xbox. I was hoping they learned their lesson from last year when they did a showcase and you know told us all these games uh, were coming within the year, and then they um, you know ended up delaying most of them. Uh, so that was disappointing. I uh, wish we would have gotten more release dates for for some of the games that they announced. What excited me a lot excited me about this showcase. Uh, I'm gonna start off with Fable, which is what started the showcase, which was pretty incredible to start. At, like a new Fable game, I would think, would be like the end of the showcase. Like this is gonna be our our you know big reveal, our big surprise at the end of the showcase. And for them just to put it out there as the start of their showcase really set the tone for this showcase. It was pretty incredible. And I was a huge fan of Fable 1, 2, and 3. Played through them all. Um, I've been waiting eagerly for the next Fable game. I know it's been in development. It didn't surprise me that it was on there because they did make a tweet that kind of revealed um, that they might be talking about Fable at this showcase. Um, So I wasn't super caught off guard by it, but it being the first game that they showed, big cinematic trailer, gameplay reveal of Fable, um, that definitely... uh, that definitely surprised me and excited me, so I'm really stoked for the new Fable. Um, I love it; it's a beloved RPG of mine. Um, next game I was excited for was another RPG, and this one uh, was kind of interesting. It got probably some people said this was probably the weakest showing at Xbox's showcase was Avowed, uh, which is by I believe it was uh, it's Black Isle who did um, Fallout New Vegas, um, the early Fallout games, and also most recently. They did um, The Outer World. And Outer World was one of those games where I got really hyped for it because I thought, oh, this is going to be like uh, Fallout New Vegas, but in space, you know, that large scale RPG first person shooter game. And, uh, you know, it didn't quite meet those expectations. I remember being a little bit let down when I first played it, but then I revisited it, like, several months later after its release and really enjoyed it. Played through it uh, twice, did multiple playthroughs um, and did quite a few achievements and did most of the the content in the game and really liked it. I kind of really like the shorter, uh, kind of more focused game that they're going with. And they've already announced that Avowed is going to be similar in scale to Outer Worlds where it's going to be more of a focus on kind of a smaller world with more of a focus on the characters and uh, the story and things like that so i was really excited for it I the gameplay looked a little concerning um the the gameplay that they revealed was um just didn't quite look quite optimized for next gen you know didn't look very pretty so but it's also you know not the final product so we'll see if they make those changes but even if it's not the prettiest game i've you know said it before good graphics don't make a good game Um, you know, if the gameplay is fun, if the game has a really, you know, good story and things like that, that it's going to be a good game regardless of what it looks like. But it definitely helps when it looks good. So really excited for uh, Avowed. And then the next one that they revealed um, was Clockwork Revolution, kind of like a Bioshock-inspired game, you know, first-person shooter with this kind of, seems like a utopian, but it's actually a dystopian society with, animatrons and all kinds of of kind of crazy things and so it really gave me those bioshock kind of infinite vibes and i was also a big fan of bioshock so really excited for this game too to see uh, more gameplay of it and then obviously um you know i feel like i have to uh say that it excited me but i think we are all excited about it was uh the Starfield. Uh, extended uh, gameplay reveal and kind of deep dive into Starfield, and got me just even more hyped for it. I mean this this game I th- was my pick for game of the year, and it's not even out yet. So I'm I'm still after this extended look into the gameplay. I'm even more so riding that hype of this is going to be, you know, the greatest game of you know the last decade. And that's probably unhealthy for me to do because, uh, you know, that's how you set yourself up for disappointment when these games <laughs> launch. But. Um, I just really, I really believe in Bethesda. I believe in, you know, the work they made. They've made some of my most beloved games that I've ever played. Um, probably the whole reason why I love RPGs so much are some of those early Bethesda games that I played as a kid. And uh, I just really think they've learned over the years how to craft these incredible single-player RPG games. They've learned from their mistakes, you know, with some of the launch of, like, Skyrim and Fallout. And I just, I'm really excited for this game and what we got to Saw as far as the exploration, the combat, um, the ship building, all these different things. I mean, this is definitely going to be a game to sink hundreds of hours into. And I couldn't be more excited for it, more hyped for it. All right. And then uh, the next showcase uh, that I'll go into um, wasn't part of Summer Game Fest. It was the Nintendo Direct. So It's not last because I think it's like the best showcase uh, this month, but I still think that was Xbox. But um, just since it came later after Summer Game Fest, I'm doing it here at the end. So talk about the Nintendo Direct. What surprised me? What disappointed me? What excited me? Uh, What surprised me was uh, the big reveal at the end for the new 2D uh, Super Mario game. Um, And why that surprised me was because you know, they had Super Mario Odyssey, which was huge success, you know, um, really beloved Mario game, sold really well, had incredible reviews, you know, Game of the Year contender. I really thought the next Super Mario game was going to be like a Super Mario Odyssey 2, kind of like they did with Breath of the Wild, where they saw the success of Breath of the Wild, so they made, you know, the sequel, Tears of the Kingdom, it's doing, you know just as good if not better than Breath of the Wild did. So I thought Super Mario Odyssey would get that same treatment and that would be kind of their big announcement uh, for this showcase, this Direct. Um, But they ended up announcing a new 2D Super Mario game and uh, it looked like Super Mario. Looked fun, I don't (laughs) know. Not too much else to say, it looked very interesting. One of the things that they revealed was now Super Mario has the ability to turn into an elephant and it was really interesting because in previous Super Mario games, you know, uh, Super Mario can you know get these kind of special powers like the frog, and you know the raccoon tail to help him fly, and like he'll you know look like a little raccoon or wear like a little frog suit. But this was him actually turning into an elephant, not just wearing an elephant suit and getting some new ability. So that was kind of interesting you know i don't know what the lore implications are for that if you know this means that mario has the ability to just shapeshift into animals but whatever it looks cool um, so that surprised me and then uh, the batman arkham series trilogy releasing for nintendo switch really surprised me great games love the arkham series um, i just i think 1 and 2 would are awesome uh awesome games that i think will run really well on nintendo switch i'm not sure about gotham knight you know that one was on the originally on ps4 and the xbox one and i just don't i mean i think there's going to be some serious optimization issues on the switch for it so i'm interested to see how that goes um but i was very surprised i mean i feel like of all the games they could have tried to bring onto the switch it was it was Strange that they went with Batman Arkham Trilogy, but also really awesome because those are really great games. So, If you've never played the Arkham Trilogy and you own a Switch, I think that'll be a great time to play through them. I definitely recommend them. What disappointed me about the Nintendo Direct was no new hardware announcements. I was really hoping we'd get at least some kind of teaser to what they're working on. Are they going to do a Switch 2? Are they going to do a whole new system? Nintendo kind of has the the theme of not doing a continuation of a system. So, you know, they went from the Wii, uh, I guess they kind of did a continuation with the Wii U, but then they came out with Nintendo Switch. And, you know, same thing, Nintendo 64 went to the Nintendo GameCube. So they kind of like to create brand new systems, whole new games, whole new operating systems, all that stuff. Um, so I'm interested to see. But this Nintendo Switch has probably been their most successful console ever. So I feel like they're going to want to make a improved version of the switch a switch two and uh, i was really hoping we'd get some kind of uh, announcement on that Um, you know my prediction of when we get a switch two or just the next nintendo console i've heard mixed things from a lot of different people i think i've heard people say by the end of next year i've heard people say five years some you know pretty wild things out there pretty wild speculations about the next nintendo console i definitely think i lean more to the end of next year i think we could see a new nintendo console at least that's what i hope for i've really been holding out on buying one because i feel like it's just around the corner but i've been saying that for like three years now that the next nintendo console is just around the corner and to hold out and i really want to switch uh, and then what excited me, one of the games on there that excited me was Myth Force. Um, super cool looking game, a first person kind of dungeon crawler, roguelike game, uh, but heavily inspired by um, like 80s cartoons like He-Man and Thundercats. So it had that kind of um, 80s cartoon vibe to it, kind of silly and goofy, it looked really cool. I believe Myth Force is a show, I could be wrong. Um I didn't I didn't research it, so I'm not too sure off the top of my head, but I think Myth Force is like a show, also kind of like a comedy show that kind of is a spoof of those old eighties cartoons. But I really like the vibe of this game. It looked really cool, looked really fun. I like that it's co-op and kind of uh, don't have to invest too much time in it, just kind of jump in with friends, clear some dungeons and and have a laugh. So looked really cool. I was excited for Myth Force. Um, I'll definitely be checking out the reviews for it and, and see how it does. All right, and that is uh, kind of my thoughts and opinions on kind of the major showcases we saw this month. There was a lot of other showcases that we had this month, like the PC showcase, and there's also a lot of indie ones that I didn't cover um, just because, just for timing and trying to keep this episode length a little bit shorter. Um, But if you want to check out uh, just everything that was revealed, I'm going to link some articles in this episode uh, description in the episode notes um, where you can check out everything that was revealed and. you know, you can check out those own other showcases that I didn't mention if you want to. Um, but yeah, let me know what you're excited for, uh, what surprised you, um, what showcase you thought was the best. Feel free to reach out to me. Couple last things that I want to hit you guys with. Uh, one is what I'm looking forward to playing uh, this next month. And I'm still probably going to be playing a lot of Diablo 4 because I still have a lot of content to get through on that game. But I probably will take a small break uh, to check out Exo Primal, uh, which is a game from Capcom that we saw at the showcase. Um, it was already revealed before the showcase, but they did kind of a, deep, uh, a deeper look into it. And there's already been beta test too, so you can see a lot of gameplay footage on YouTube. But it looks like a really uh, unique, uh, super bizarre game. Um, where you play as um, you know these kind of robots, and you're fighting uh, dinosaurs. Um, like just massive hordes of dinosaurs and also competing against other players. So it's kind of like a PvE, PvP style game where you have these objectives you're trying to do on the map and then these massive waves of dinosaurs coming at you that you're fighting and then also other players kind of trying to, um, you know, stop you from completing your objective. So it looked really cool, super interesting, uh, really just flashy over the top and yeah, just looked really cool and some of the game modes that i saw were really interesting they had the pvp style ones but some gameplay footage that i watched it had kind of these different rounds where you're trying to escort like a payload objective kind of similar to overwatch and then you're trying to stop the team from escorting theirs but then on the final round of the game it was um instead of competing against the other team you join forces with them to like fight this giant t-rex um and like a a battle arena looked really cool just looked like a really creative fun game it is going to be a live service game so i mean that's a a little um a little concerning you know is it going to be just kind of a repetitive grind um is it going to get old fast i don't know looks really cool though and it's coming straight to game pass so that's another reason why i'm willing to give it a try it's coming on a game pass i'll be able to try it out with my subscription so I'm really looking forward to that game. Let me know if you're looking forward to it too. DM me, message me. Maybe we can link up and uh, play through it when that releases. And that one is releasing, Exo Primal is releasing on July 14th. And it'll be available on PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One and PC. And it's coming straight to Game Pass. So definitely one that I'm going to try out this month. Um, Probably on the end of, uh, probably on next month's episode, I'll... I'll be able to share a little bit of my opinions on it. Not sure if I'll write a full review like I did for Diablo, but definitely give my takes on it. And last thing that I want to hit you guys with is, I don't have a guest on here, so I can't do video game character 20 questions, Um, but I did want to hit you with some fun facts. Uh, So uh, I'm going to call this segment uh, This Day in Gaming. On this day in gaming, June 27th, 1997, Tamagotchi for the Game Boy was released in Japan and would later come to America in October. And uh, Tamagotchi was uh, wow, such just a iconic and nostalgic staple of my childhood. I remember everyone having the little tiny Tamagotchis that would hook onto your backpack and... Um, I actually owned a copy of this Game Boy game, so we actually, I actually got to play it uh, as a kid, and I was never super good at keeping my Tamagotchis alive, um, but I think I was just into it just because all of my friends were literally, um, you know, playing these at school. Um, but yeah, just uh, just a fun little fun fact for you. Uh, hopefully, it brought back some uh, nostalgic memories for you of playing uh, with your Tamagotchi. And that is all I have for this episode. So I appreciate you guys uh, for sticking around and listening, hearing all my opinions on the summer, uh, summer Game Fest and all the showcases. Let me know what you think of my Diablo 4 review. And uh, I'm all caught up on episodes now, so I know I've been just kind of releasing these back-to-back episodes, and they've been really long and a lot to get through. Um, so I'm sorry about that, but I had to play catch-up a little bit. And I... With the release of this episode, I'm all caught up now. So next episode will be uh, the last Tuesday in July. And I'll go over you know all the gaming news in July and what I've been playing and hopefully have some friends on. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Let me know what you think. Hope to see you next month. Peace.